Welcome, local listeners, to another episode of Local First Podcast. Hey, we have a very special week of episodes. It's a two-part series with Bob Berg. Bob is the author of a number of books on sales, marketing, influence, with the total book sales well over a million copies. Uh, we cover the book, The Go-Giver, co-authored with John David Mann. Uh, the first part of this episode, part one, will focus on price versus value when it comes to sales. And then part two, we're going to cover The Go-Giver. It's exciting. My number one book of 2019. Enjoy. Appreciate your feedback. Hi, this is Rob Kohansky, your host of Local First Podcast, connecting local businesses to your community. New episodes drop every Thursday at 3 p.m. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app to make sure you do not miss an episode. I'd like to just take a moment to recognize our sponsor. Does your business software make less or more work for you? Think possibilities. Think exacta. Enjoy the show. Ready? I'm ready. All right. You ready, Bob? I sure am. All right. Put the smile on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Bob, uh, thank you for taking the time to be on Local First Podcast today. Um, before we get into the book and, you know, talk a little bit more about The Go-Giver, um, I'm just going to highlight it. has been probably my favorite book of 2019. And uh, just reading through it again before the show, I'm, I'm excited about the chat with you again. Um, but before we get into that, Tell the listeners a little bit about your background and, you know, what is your backstory? Uh, really, I began as a broadcaster, first in, in radio, sports, and then television news. Uh, I wasn't particularly good at it, and it wasn't long before I graduated into uh, sales. And the challenge with that was I knew nothing about sales, so I floundered for a couple of months, I guess, a few months. Uh, fortunately, I made my way into a bookstore just looking for books on on business. This is almost 40 years ago. So I didn't realize there was even a genre on how to sell, right? That was, right. There really wasn't yet. <laughs> no, fortunately, there were a couple of books out though and at the time. And one was, one was by Zig Ziglar, another by Tom Hopkins. So I, I got those two books and started really studying them. And, uh, and really within a few weeks, my sales began to really do well. And that was encouraging to me because it said, you know, if you've got a methodology in place and you're willing to, you know, to learn it and apply it, well, then you can you can succeed. To this day, I uh, I define a system as simply the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how to principles. In other words, the key is predictability, right? If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B then you know all you need to do is A and continue to do A and continue to do A and uh, <laughs> you'll get those desired results of, of B, hopefully faster rather than, you know, slower. But, uh, yes. but so that was, you know, so that was a, a good thing for me to learn. And then I started understanding that selling was uh, learning about selling was a lot more learning about personal development. And that was really cool because I got turned on to books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, Think and Grow Rich, The Magic of Thinking Big, uh, As a Man Thinketh, you know, Psycho-Cybernetics, all these great books that really gave me an education uh, that I, I never got in, in traditional school. Uh, well, I guess I, I wasn't in school long enough to, to get them. <laughs> I wasn't a person. <laughs> and, uh, but, but also just, you know, back then, the mainstream didn't know about those things. So 
So getting in sales was a, a really great thing for me, both for what I could learn and how I could begin to, uh, to develop. So, you know, that was, that was really it. Eventually though, what I learned was more than anything else. Selling is about focusing on creating value for other people. And that to the degree you could do that, to the degree that you could, you could bring value to other human beings, uh, that was the degree that as a salesperson, you were going to also be very successful. When you talk about value, Bob, and you know, it's like in, in, in anything that you do or in sales, you know, what does that, what does that look like? You know, going above and beyond offering more than what you would normally do. You know, what does that, you know, kind of, what does that look like for you? Yeah. You know, that's a, a really, really great question because it is important that the word value is used so much that it's almost either begun to lose its meaning or it can be interpreted so many different ways so that, that it begins to, to then lose its its effect. So, so for, let's look at it on two levels, and a, a, a basic level and then a, a bit deeper. Um, first, it's really important to understand the difference between price and value. Uh, price is a dollar figure. It's a, a, a dollar amount. It's it's a finite. It simply is what it is. It's the price of something. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, what have you, that brings so much worth to a, a particular person that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you, the salesperson, makes a, a very healthy profit. Now, as a uh, just a, a very quick example, we could, uh, we could say, let's say you hire an accountant to do your taxes and the accountant charges you $1,000. That's her uh, fee or her literally her price a thousand dollars but what's the value she provides you in exchange for that well first she saves you five thousand dollars on taxes uh, that you would not know to be able to save for yourself through her expertise or hard work or okay then she also saves you a lot of time saves you countless mm -hmm. hours of time she also provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly, right? So, so again, we see that while price is finite, value can be both concrete in terms of that $5,000 savings. It's pretty easy to get our arms around, but it can also be conceptual in terms of that peace of mind, which probably holds more worth or value than anything else. Uh, and so what she did, this accountant, is gave you well over $5,000 in value well beyond that in exchange for a thousand dollar price so you feel great about it and she made a very very healthy profit because to her it was worth it to lease out or rent out her time and expertise mm -hmm. for a thousand dollars so in any free market based exchange and when i say free market i simply mean no one is forced to do business with anyone else they do it on their own volition in any free market based exchange there are always two profits, the buyer's profits and the seller profits, because each of them comes away better off afterwards than they were before. So just by the, by the very nature of the thing itself, uh, that's, you know, that's the difference between price and, and value. Now it's, it's got to go deeper than that though, because as great as it is that, that your accountant 
or that this particular accountant could give so much in value in exchange for, for the price. Um, so can pretty much any other accountant, right? And, and even if one accountant is better than the other, even though really most products and services these days are pretty equal, they all pretty much work. Mm-hmm. So what happens is if, if a person, if a, a customer, a potential customer doesn't, if they don't see the difference between any two or more products, services, or, or salespeople, uh, if they don't see any any differentiator, it's always going to come down to who has the lowest price. And uh, you know, unless your last name is uh, Walmart or or Amazon.com, trying to make low price your unique selling proposition <laughs> is not a good way to do business. It's not. No, it's it, not. Nope. No. It, it, do, it, do you it, find it, sometimes with the, when you bring up the price like that and you, you compare it with the Walmart and the Amazons and such like that is, is by, you know, I'm just throwing this out there is, is by charging more and adding more value, more attractive to an individual than them going to a Walmart. Well, it always depends because people are individuals and and individuals value different things. So there are people who are simply price buyers, but those are far fewer than we might think. Uh, Even people who think they're price buyers, you know, I'll often ask an audience, have you ever gone into a store and just said, all I need is the, you know, the cheapest one, you know, whatever's just going to do the job. And a good, helpful salesperson actually educates you as to why, a different one that is priced higher can bring a lot more value that you can use and you've walked out with something more expensive and we're glad you made the purchase. And, you know, practically everyone raised their hands. Not everyone, but most people do. So it's it's typically, I remember my, my good friend, colleague, Art Subject, saying it, uh, uh, rarely is it a uh, price question. It's almost always a value question. And so, uh, you know, that, so, and I think that's very true. Um, but so with this, with the understanding that we must differentiate ourselves, then we ask, well, okay, so how do we communicate that additional value? Right. And you come, Rob, you're reading my, I, I was just like signaling to Rob. I have a question for him. Yeah. I was going to ask you how, how do you go about <laughs> telling that story? Because it's one thing. So I own, I personally own an insurance agency. So it's one thing for me to say, Hey, we're in the top five in Google reviews in Milwaukee and we make a $10 donation every time we run a quote. Like I can say that and that's fine, but there's much more effective ways for that story to be told. Right. So how, how do you have, how do you have your clients tell that story for you so that people know, okay, this is the type of thing that we get from, you know, this, this provider of a commodity service, like, anything in the financial industry, you know, all these things are similar products. How to get your clients to be excited about it? Well, the biggest differentiator of all is always yourself. They buy the salesperson or the business owner or whomever they're, they're dealing with first. Then they buy the uh, company and then they buy the product or service. So the question then is, okay, well, that's fine. So how do you communicate? How do you become that additional value? Well, the good news is there are probably dozens, if not hundreds of ways to communicate that, that additional value, but they tend to come down to five what we call elements of value. And those elements are excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. 
And to the degree that you, and when I say you, I mean you and your team, everyone at your company from the person mm-hmm. on the phone or greets the person when they come in or, or, you know, handling this or that, or you, when you first meet that person wherever, to the degree that, that you can <clears throat> communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those elements of value at every single touch point. So from that initial you know, inbound call or outbound connection to meeting that person at a local event to the uh, developing and cultivating the relationship through the follow-up and follow-through, through the sales process, through the referral process, that's the degree that you will take price and your competition out of the issue through those elements of value. Awesome. Can you share those five elements one more time? I have three of them. <clears throat> yep. They're excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. Jackson, Jackson, um, yeah. we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. I'm, I'm vigorously taking notes, Bob. And uh, we, um, I, I referred back before our call um, because you uh, were thoughtful enough and um, just really excellent to jump in and um, be part of our book club when we discussed this book um, back in November. So I was referring back to my notes um, before we started the call and I have another page. So thank you again for your time. This is, this is really so much fun. And um, that, that thought that you shared last time we spoke, um, money is thunder, value Uh, is the lightning. uh, (laughs) uh, What we said was that money is an echo of value. It's the uh, thunder to values lightning. And what we really mean by that is that the focus, just like with the accountant at the, at the beginning, who did such a great job for you, um, she got your business not because her focus was on her fees. Her focus was on providing you with exceptional value. The fee she received was the result of, of communicating and being able to, to uh, apply that value to you. And, and really, that's what we're talking about. So it's... You know, it's understanding that your focus must be on providing immense value to the marketplace, to another human being. Focus on the value. The money you receive is simply a very natural result of the value you provide. Bob, um, talking a little bit about after meeting you earlier and talking about the book, you, you have a little different perspective when you have an opportunity to meet the person where the ideas came from and the story came from. I, I was wondering, since you've written this book, how has it changed your life? How does it change the way that you spend your time and how you interact with people? Oh, I think the only thing it's, it's changed is that we've had, you know, more companies coming to us, you know, for me to come in and speak and, and that sort of thing. And it's opened up new doors for me that uh, business wise, that, that even my other books had never opened up before. Um, but it hasn't changed me or, or the way I do things. I mean, I, I think that the, that what John and I wrote in the book are basically reflections on the way we approach business, uh, approach life. I mean, he, and, and you know, he has a, a great family and, and, uh, uh, he's always been a great business person. He's very much in demand as an author. I think that, you know, the, the, the sales of the book really helped him in that regard. He became kind of the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the choice of agents and publishers who had really great um, people to work with, but who weren't necessarily writers. And so John is, John was the go- became the go-to guy. Oh so, yeah. So I know um, that, you know, that changed 
his business in that way only in, but he was already busy. He was already successful. And, uh, you know, I think in mine, it was a matter of, um, uh, it changed from me, you know, I think still doing a lot of outbound calling and prospecting when I wanted to speak to then just having a lot of calls come in. Um, but you know, it's been about 11 years, almost 12 years since the book came out. I'm, I just turned 62. So I'm actually speaking less <laughs> than I was. Okay. <laughs> I want to be on the road, uh, like I used to have to be. So, um, so yeah, uh, I think for both John and myself, it, it, it helped our, our individual businesses. Um, uh, but I think, I think I, I probably only get to see John about twice a year. We, we, uh, you know, keep in touch by email and on the phone, but I, I assume John's the same great guy he always was. And, you know, and I think I'm still the same, whether I'm a great guy or not. I don't know that <laughs> <laughs> more subjective there. <laughs> so what, so how did you guys, um, what, what, like started the conversation where you, the two of you decided we need to write a book. This is something that, uh, we, we need to share with others. Well, I had a um, book out years, uh, many years ago called Endless Referrals. Uh, the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sales. And it was a how-to book uh, for people who, you know, they, they were entrepreneurs or salespeople. They had a great product or service. They knew they, they brought great value to people, but they maybe weren't confident in terms of going out and generating new business and creating those relationships that would lead to business and referrals. So that's what endless referrals was about. And it was a, you know, again, a, a, a how to book. And, um, through the years though, you know, I'd always read a lot of business parables and always enjoyed them and thought they were a great way to connect with a reader. And I, and for, for several years I had thought, you know, I wonder if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, which is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, mm -hmm. and put that in a parable form. So uh, I thought, well, so what is the um, what is the the main essence of a person who is able to to consistently build those kinds of relationships, both quickly and sustainably? And the answer is, well. Basically, they're givers. They're, they're people who are always focused on bringing immense value to other people. So it was pretty easy to come up with the title, The Go-Giver. Now, at that point, I realized I needed someone to work with me because I'm a how-to author. Um, and The Go-Giver, while it would be you know based on principles and have uh, parts of the story that actually happened and so forth, it was still a work of, of fiction. And I'm not a fiction writer, you know, I'm a, mm -hmm. I'm a mm -hmm. so I knew John, I had never met John at that time, but I uh, knew him as the, uh, he was the editor in chief of a magazine I used to write for. And so every month I, I'd submit my articles and John would always write back with the, you know, the edits and the, but unlike so many editors just, you know, kind of leave your best stuff on the cutting room floor. They, they never even let you know and, and so forth. Not all of them, but sometimes mm -hmm. it happens. John was always so nice and polite and kind. And he always said, you know, does this, is this okay? And I move this here. Is that all right? And the running joke became, I'd write him back every month, basically with the same thing, which was, uh, John, not only is it okay, you write my stuff better than I write my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it sounds like you're the idea man and he puts it into uh, words for you. Yeah. And it's, well, it's not that he doesn't have ideas because again, he was a very successful entrepreneur himself. Um, but he's just such a great writer. He's just a magnificent storyteller. And, um, um, 
And, you know, when I, so I asked him if he would, if he would, um, uh, be the, I asked him to be the lead writer and, and, uh, and storyteller. And he was busy at the time, you know, himself. So one, um, one night when he and Anna is, was his wife, but was his fiance at the time, uh, when they were visiting her mom in, uh, the Tampa area across the state from me, uh, they actually drove over, which is like four hours. Uh, it would be two hours if, as the crow flies, but if the crow has to like take ice east and then the turnpike. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, uh, and we, we must have had like a, a three or four hour dinner just talking about what the book could be. And then it was about three weeks later that John, John called me back and said, uh, yeah, you know, I think we've got something here. So that was, uh, you know, uh, that, that was it. And we've done four books in the series, you know, so far, three of them being parables and one of them being a uh, more like a, an, another how-to. Is, is Joe a real person? Joe is the every person, you know, everyone's been Joe or Josephine at some point, a person with potential, a good person who means well, works hard, but very frustrated and who kind of needs to learn those, those major lessons that will, that will turn them around. With, um, with people that are listening out there, including myself, and I, I just this year put together a business plan for my podcast and to really, you know, go after monetizing in a number of different ways. So I know there's other people listening out there that are entrepreneurs or still a small business and they're just starting out, they're struggling. You know, how do they implement the law of value without giving away the store? Well, the, the good news is the law of value really doesn't... Um, doesn't mean you're giving away the store, but it could, <clears throat> but it can probably be interpreted that way or misinterpreted that way by people who haven't really read the book. Because let's face it, the, the term the go giver sounds like you're just giving yourself away. Yeah. Right. Uh, what? You don't care about making a profit. You're just giving things away. No. And so, in fact, a person who conducts their business in the, in the go-giver way, as we would call it, uh, that person tends to, to, first of all, make a very, very healthy profit because, again, they're not selling on low price. They're selling on a high value. And so, so uh, they're going to have a, you know, a, 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 a bigger profit, and they tend to be on the higher end um, of, the, of the price scale. Um, so when you first get into business, though, what you really need to be doing is two things. One is you need to be creating relationships with people, and the relationships are value-based. The value that you create in these relationships are what turns into business and referrals. And, and uh, you know, I, I always want to make sure people don't think that means it has to take a long time. It's actually going to take you less time than doing it the traditional way. Because that traditional way is, okay, well, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to just, everybody I talk to, I'm going to hit up for business and, you know, try to make some quick sales. And it can, it can certainly happen, especially, you know, again, depending upon what you do. Um, but typically, the sales are going to come quicker when you do it this way because your focus is on serving that other person. Remember, I, you know, I say this when I speak at major sales conferences all, all the time. And that is nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. That's so true. That's so true. Buy from you because you need the money. And I'll tell you, they're not going to buy from you because you're a really nice person. Okay, they're going to buy from you because they believe they'll be better off by doing so 
than by not doing so. And that's the only reason why they shouldn't buy from you. So when, when you start out through communicating value, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean it's about your product or service. When you first meet someone, the best thing you can do is focus on them. Ask them questions about themselves and about their business. Start, you know, start to create relationships with people. Um, and, you know, I mean, even let's take a first conversation with someone. Let's say you have a local business and, you know, you go to the traditional Chamber of Commerce business card exchange thing that people go to. And, and people say, oh, these, these never work. And they don't unless you do it correctly, then they work really, really well. <laughs> That's where Rob and I met. <laughs> <laughs> but what happens is most people go there and what do they do? They, they kind of stick a business card into everybody. They push out their card, right? Yeah. Like card first and then hello after that. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Come up with their, you know, their elevator speeches and they're trying to, you know, it's like, stop doing that because nobody, and Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI, uh, oh, he, he asked a wonderful question when he, when he's speaking, he'll say, how many of you in the audience, uh, this is at when, when he's at a, a you know, a, a networking event, you know, um, uh, not one of his BNI events, but just a generic networking event where he's speaking and he heals. So how many of you today came with the idea of selling something? And, you know, most of the people, if they're being honest, they raise their hands. And then he mm -hmm. said, now, how many of you came with the idea of buying something? And nobody raises their hand. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good perspective. Yeah. And, and, uh, Bob, how did you come up with the the five laws of success? Well, the, the, we like to say the first three were easy. The last two kind of wrote themselves. Uh, the, the the law of value was always going to be the um, the foundational principle because that's where it all begins. You know, finding ways to make yourself of value, to bring value to the marketplace. Um, second, you know, the law of compensation, which says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. Well, that that fits right after the law of value, because if, if, if the law of value, you know, the basically the experience you're providing, you're able to provide someone uh, with regards to the money that they've paid, um, if, if that's the 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 um, foundational principle obviously it's not enough to just provide that exceptional value to one person right so the so the next law says it's not just a matter of the value you provide it's how many lives you're able to impact with that value and then three the law of influence is all about how you do that uh, it means that right from the, the beginning, you actually place other people's interests first, not in a way that's self-sacrificial or martyrish or doormatty, not at all. It's just understanding that, again, to the degree that you can you can communicate, to that you can take your focus off of yourself, right? Move from an I focus or me focus to an other focus. That's how you create relationships with people where they know you, they like you, and they, they trust you. Uh, then the last two kind of came as we were we were still playing with the story idea and where we were going to take it. And we looked at authenticity, the, the fourth law, as kind of, you know, you can do all those other things and get a little bit of the way there. But if you're really not tapping into your true authentic core, it's not going to be sustainable. 
And then the fifth one, receptivity, was what pulled it together. Because it's not just about giving. It's also about receiving. Just like life is not just about breathing out, it's also about breathing in. And unfortunately, the world hits us with so many negative, negative stories about money and prosperity and, and so forth. Gosh, if you, you know, watch the news or you, you listen to some of the politicians out there, you think that everybody who's wealthy has done it by hurting others, you know, done it on the backs of others or that, oh, it's just disgusting. And not that there's not, you know, it's a big world. There's people who do lousy things. But by and large, and especially to the degree that we operate within a free market, which means, again, no one's forced to buy from you, the only way, the only way you can make a lot of money is by providing a lot of value to a lot of people. And again, they're not doing it for your reason. They're doing it for their reason. So to the degree you serve, that's the degree that you're going to uh, have abundance. And, but because of the messages we get, and it's not just lately, we've always had those messages. I suspect it's always been that way. Um, but of course now with social media and the proliferation of, you know, so many, so many media platforms out there from TV, radio, newspaper, social media, and everything else trying to get eyeballs, uh, that, you know, it just, let's face it. Um, Enron is a story that sells. Um, you know, Volkswagen falsifying their emissions testings that sells the CEO of, um, of, uh, Wells Fargo, um, creating an environment where his, his people would be falsely selling new accounts that sells. Here's what doesn't sell. Corporate CEO treats people fairly. Sales goes above and beyond to help his or her clients that doesn't sell. So because of that, you know, we get this really messed up message in our heads uh, and it, it seeps down into the unconscious. And so sometimes we can actually sabotage ourselves from receiving the kind of success and prosperity that we've earned. That's a. Uh... That's really good. Thanks for um, going over that scope thing as well, because, you know, as as Rob and I work in the chamber, we work with a lot of smaller businesses and there comes a point where you can only do so much on your own. And if you want to serve more people, you need to share that work. And that's something that um, it's good to hear that, you know, scope matters in this and that's part of the game and to, to plan for that. Bob, um, have you ever had anyone reach out to you and said, say, you know, I read the book and I tried the strategies and it didn't work for me. And I gave it, you know, I gave it real effort and it just didn't pan out. Have you ever had that type of uh, response from readers? Sure. Usually, well, not from leaders, but but from individuals. And usually what happens is it, it begins with a law of value. So if, if I do a diagnostic with them, I'll say, so let's talk about the law of value. And they'll say, oh, but, I, I, but I'm always giving so much value to so many people. And, and there's always one of two things that happens. One is they, they're kind of thinking what I call magical thoughts. So in other words, if they do a good deed, if they you know, help a, an elderly person across the street, they're going to get business because, you know, karma and stuff like that. And that's not what this is about. <laughs> I mean, I, I hope karma works, but you know, that's that I don't think you can build a business on, on that. Um, so that's one, one thing, but 
even more prevalent is when we get to value and they say, oh, yeah, I'm adding great value. I say, okay, so you're, you believe you're, you're bringing great value to, to a lot of people. But let me ask you the question, how do you know it's of value to them? Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, uh, you're probably or, or perhaps you're giving value to them in a way that you think it's of value, but maybe they don't. And remember, value is always in the eyes of the beholder. It's not what you believe is of value. It's what, you know, or what you think others should think of it. Because remember, we're human beings and we all see the world through our own eyes. And, you know, we may think this is a, you know, this is something, well, I would appreciate this. Everybody would. Well, no, that's not true. We see the world through our own belief system. We see the world through our own unconscious operating system, our own model or paradigm. And we kind of think everyone else sees it the same way. Uh, which, you know, makes sense because how else could it be? It's all we know. But the fact is what, what brings pleasure or joy or happiness or security or what have you to one person doesn't to someone else because we're all individuals. And so what we find is when we really go through it with this person, let's say, yeah, they're doing things that really either isn't something that the other person finds to be of value or it's something that they're really doing more out of um, out of the, 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 the premise that it's a value to someone else where it's really more focused on themselves. <laughs> okay, so so not obligation but more like like a um, like a marketing technique or something. Yeah, and and you know and, and again I mean everything's fine, you know, and it's it, when it when it's when, when it's in context, but, um, but that's really what it is. So, you know, I can pretty much do a, a, a something like that with everyone and will about 99.9% of the time it's, it's based on, it's based on, um, value. And I mean, when I, when I first read this book, I was not an entrepreneur, uh, but it really resonated with me and, you know, just kind of that do the right thing, help other people out. Like, uh, there's a lot of golden rule type stuff throughout this story. And um, I found when I did start my own business, there was a lot of um, emotional equity built up that I didn't know was there. And I had a lot of people who said, hey, you can you can take a look at my coverage that um, like it was really neat to see it happen. Um, yeah. I think with stuff like this, there isn't always and probably hardly ever an immediate response, but by acting out these principles over a period of time, things compound and, um, you know, eventually there's inflection point where all of a sudden a lot of things are going the way that you were hoping they would go. Yeah. Well, so what happens is if you're, if you're reaching out and you're connecting with enough people, uh, the law of large numbers basically says that timing wise, there are going to be some people who are ready before others. And so if you, and that's why the person who kind of just reaches out with an I or me focus, just trying to hit everyone up for business. OK, yeah, they will get some some business. It might not be sustainable or it might be, but it's 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 really hit or miss. When it's a transaction. You, it, yeah, exactly. When you approach with the go giver way, looking to bring value to others and looking to what happens is that, first of all, nobody's going to buy before they're ready to buy anyway. It doesn't matter if you're doing it eye-focused or other-focused. But when you're doing it other-focused and reaching out to enough people consistently, what happens is timing says 
or the law of large, large numbers says that the timing is going to be right for some people, right? And, uh, or they're going to know someone who the timing is right for them. Um, so, you know, there's nothing magic to it. It, it seems like it sometimes because it, it really tends to, you know, to work even better than what people think it's going to, but there's no, there's no magic to it. And what I was saying before about, you know, karma, where the person thinks, well, if they do a good deed, like helping an elderly person across the street and they think, well, something good should happen to me as a result. First of all, that's operating out of a sense of attachment to a result. And that usually doesn't work anyway. But right. again, <laughs> actual thinking. Now, that said, I would hope everyone would help an elderly person across the street, unless that person doesn't want to be helped, you know, of course. But assuming that they, that they welcome that, of course, do things because it's the right reason. But please don't think that the go-giver is about magic, you know, about, well, if I just do the deeds, you know, all of a sudden I'm going to have all this business coming. It can't hurt, but it's probably not going to help that much either. How do, you know, we talked a lot about so far about, you know, being in business, being entrepreneurs, like if someone's not an entrepreneur and they're, they're in their nine to five, how do they take the go-giver and use it in their everyday lives? Sure. It, well, first it still comes back to the law of value, right? Because just as no one's going to buy from you because you, you know, you need the money, no one's going to hire you and keep you in their employ because you have a mortgage payment to make. <laughs> right? Hire you and, and keep you on because you're bringing lots of value to them. Now, in this case, when you're, when you're an employee within someone else's organization, rather than being an entrepreneur, you're kind of an intrapreneur, right? You're an mm -hmm. entrepreneur and someone, that's fine. Uh, in this case, your customers may not be the end customers of the business. Your customers might be your coworkers. It might be the, uh, you know, people in other departments who you can help. It might be your supervisor. It might be the employer. It could be, you know, wh whomever it is. Um, but, but your goal is to make yourself as indispensable as possible by looking for ways to bring immense value, um, to, to the operation itself. I like that. I like that. Okay. Um, Bob, I just want to wrap this up here. Not real quickly, but, you know, slow it down here a little bit. I really, how did you guys come up with the idea of uh, Rachel's Famous Coffee and bringing everybody together at the end of the book? Because I, I, I love that piece of it because everybody in the beginning is kind of doing their own thing. And then at the end, there's an opportunity for them to collaborate. Well, I, so I'm a coffee person. I just love coffee. I don't need it to, to wake up and I, it doesn't keep me up at night. I just really enjoy it. So John was kind enough to indulge me in, in, in <laughs> um, and as far as the idea of how everybody, how things wrapped and came together at the end so neatly, that's the brilliance of John Mann, not Bob Berg. <laughs> okay. That's very cool. So how you know, did way, I, I do get the question, Bob, I mean, it took a week. Does it really happen that for that fast in real life? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a little creative license there. It was a story, you know. Exactly. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. So, um, I want everybody that that's out there and being able to. Um, we got an event that's coming up, right, Bob? Yeah, yeah. We have an event called Endless Referrals: The Go Giver Way, and that is going to be in Orlando, Florida, in. Uh, in late April. So we're very excited about that. Very good. Does that happen several times a year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So very good. So if you can't make it to this one, there's going to be another one after that. But then um, 
What's the website on that that they can go to? Uh, it's endlessreferrals.com. We try to keep things very simple. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And all that will be uh, in the show notes as well. And we we network pretty hard here in the, the greater Milwaukee area. I know we work, network with a lot of people who network hard. So it's still, you know, cold and wet in April, y'all. So if anyone <laughs> is, is looking for a good reason to get out, Orlando's, it's always a good time to go to Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> all right. So I, Bob, I have a, just this one section or one segment that I have on here, and we're just going to do some rapid fire questions for you and just have some fun with it. Is that, is that okay? Sure. I will give it my best shot. All right. So before we do that, I always allow the guests to ask me one question. So it's a little bit of even. So you can ask us one question and uh, we'll do our best to answer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hey, is it true that a dog's tongue is actually cleaner than a human's? Oh my goodness. Oh, I've, I've heard, heard that. that. I'm not sure. It's not like I, I want them licking or kissing me. Hey, three intelligent people have all, hear, have all heard that. I, I say that, uh, you know, sure, Don't, why not? Sure. Do, you, do you know, Bob? <laughs> no, I know. I'd always heard the same thing too, but it's one of those things I've always kind of doubted. Yeah. <laughs> not taking a... You're gonna be, one of those that you, you kind of hear. Okay. Did you watch the Super Bowl? I did. Did you? Okay. So here's the first uh, rapid fire question. Secura or J-Lo? Oh, uh, I thought they both did a, a, a wonderfully professional job, but I thought I, 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 I like Shakira. You like Shakira? I do too. Okay. Are you politically correct? It depends what you mean by politically correct, and it depends on the context. I'm sorry I can't answer yes or no to some of these things, but sometimes the definition is very, very important because I could say yes, and it could mean two different things to two different people. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well I can't go deeper on that with you, but I, but it's just that it's just that for that particular question, I could not possibly answer yes or no. All right. All right. What's for dinner tonight? Oh, a, uh, some kind of omelet or something that my trainer made for me. She comes in, uh, uh, five days a week. She works me out in the morning and she prepares all my meals, my healthy meals and everything. And, uh, which keeps me from being about 500 pounds. At the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. If, uh, if God could ask you one question, what would it be? Oh, well, God probably wouldn't have to ask since God would probably know the answer. There you um, go. You're good at this, Bob. I don't like it. I'm just, I'm trying to, like, <laughs> I'm trying to put you, here's one I love to ask and I get all kinds of answers and I'm kind of curious what this one, and we'll wrap that up, wrap it up. Are women complicated? Are women complicated? Um, yeah, well, I have to say everyone's complicated, but I'd say for me, women are more complicated than men because I can think of things from, a, you know, a man's standpoint or viewpoint and I can't necessarily from a woman's, but I would imagine that it would be the same for a woman if they were asked, is a man complicated? Yep. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer, Bob. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out today to, you know, visit with Jackson and I on Local First Podcast. It really means a lot for us. And I know that, you know, this, the, the information in here is, is priceless. So, um, this is going to be a two-part series, which is going to be coming out next week, Bob, uh, Tuesday and Thursday. And I'll, say, I'll make sure and send uh, Leslie the links for that so you have uh, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Appreciate your time. My pleasure. Appreciate you both. All right. Have a Cheers. good day.